You're listening to Rocks Across the Pond, the curling podcast that goes around the globe looking for the best stories in the world's coolest sport. We have curling news and views for everyone, whether you're playing in your Thursday league or following your favorite teams on tour. Now here are your hosts, Ryan McGee and our professor of Peel, Jonathan Havercroft. All right, so I'm joined today with uh, by Gary Hermans, who's a member of Team Belgium, and he's been on the podcast before to talk about uh, the curling rink in Zemst, Belgium. But today he's going to join us to talk a little bit about his experience at the World Seniors and the World Mixed Doubles Championship that happened in Switzerland, I guess about a month ago now. We've been trying to set something up. He very kindly offered to do a set of interviews for us, so we've already... He helped arrange the interview with Claudius Harsch from uh, the German team, German mixed doubles team. But we have a couple of other interviews today. So I thought we'd have uh, Gary back on the podcast to, to talk about his experiences there. So welcome back, Gary. Thanks for uh, for having me. Always a pleasure to be here. And so how was, I guess, how did you come to play in this year's World Senior Championship? Well, I mean, it's for those that have listened to the previous um podcast where I was invited to um, you know the curling community in Belgium is pretty small so for the last couple of years we've had uh, we've only had two senior teams actually competing for a spot at the WSCC so we we um, the, the BCA the Belgian Curling Association they um, they set up a series of challenge matches um, this year they were in January pre-COVID they were a little bit earlier and that basically decides who gets to go so my team has been to the 2017 in Lethbridge uh, 2018 in Sweden we lost out um, we were at the Stavanger WCC and then um, yeah obviously COVID um, interrupted us for a couple of years but um, we, we qualified again and we got to go to Geneva this year so fantastic so this is your third time going is that correct yes and um, the other team that went to Sweden, they asked me as an alternate as well. I didn't play there, but so technically I've been to four. Oh, excellent. Four. Okay. Yeah. And so how did your team do this time? Well, we, I mean, at the beginning of the season, I proposed the team and said, well, we've always been middle of the pack a little bit somewhere. So let's try and aim for the top 10 because we, we've seen some of those teams play and we knew that we could, you know, if we put an effort in, we, we, have a comparable strength so that was our um that was our aim and um we kicked it off well straight away by uh, a win over new zealand uh and those guys have always you know been close to the quarterfinals or finished top 10 so that uh, it's always you know, any curl will say it's it's really good to you know kickstart your tournament with a win yeah <laughs> And um, I think our second match was against uh, Germany, which was a completely new team. It was Andy Cap this time, whom a lot of the listeners will probably know. Uh, Andy Cap and his bunch of gold and silver and bronze medals from yeah. you know, 15 years ago. <laughs> um, so that, that, you know, compared to the other team, and no disrespect, but I think that was a bit of an upgrade for, for Germany. And they, um, they just beat us 5-4. Uh, that was a very tight game. You know, we're pleased with that one. And had a very tight game against Scotland, who just beat us by one point in an extra end. And actually, we had some chances to to win that one. So, uh, 
Yeah, not a bad start. Then we had Nigeria in our in our group, which we won against, and um, won against um, Latvia as well. So, um, and I'm forgetting a game somewhere along the lines, but uh, <laughs> yeah, like you said, it's been over four weeks ago, and yeah. we're seeing it right, so our memory tends to fail. <laughs> but um, but uh, anyway, we ended up um, four and two. And we um, so this year there were three there were three groups. The first two of every every group automatically went to the quarterfinals, and then it was two out of the out of the well the best two out of the thirds that joined the quarterfinal. And uh, unfortunately, we lost out on the on the LSD, which think, we were yeah. a little bit hidden, even though we practiced on it a little bit. We were, yeah, we were a little bit hit and miss with our LSD, so we just missed out there. Otherwise, we would have been in the quarterfinals. But still, you know, we ended up in ninth place, which is uh, the best Belgian has ever done at uh, World Seniors. So it was a bit, you know, a little bit of a bitter taste in the first couple of days after missing mm. quarters. But then, you know, afterwards, you say, okay, well, great result, overall result. So, um, yeah, looking back on it, pretty pretty pleased with that experience and so is your team going to stick together and try and do another run next season you think or well we have um one of our team members yeah he announced his retirement if that not an oxymoron retiring from seniors but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, and, and another one of our team members, he's still eligible to play, but he's actually Canadian who's lived in Belgium for 20 years and he's finishing up his job so he can still play for a season. And uh, uh, bottom line is we're, we're still looking around and then there are some other um, teams in Belgium that have folks that have base, basically just reached uh, uh, eligibility for seniors. So there's a couple of new teams forming, so it's still... Uh, Still a bit up in the air. Is, is seniors, I, 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 I'm getting very close to seniors or <laughs> closer than I want to admit, but it seems like seniors is almost the opposite of juniors where you, you often have, you know, competitive curlers in the late forties kind of sneaking in. So you're always worried about the new teams coming in, being more competitive and then not to denigrate people as they get the later fifties and stuff, but it seems like you kind of tail off then. Is that, is that the case with seniors you think, or it's, it's a bit of a mix. Um, yes, you definitely see people that have, you know, played board class or Europeans or have even been Olympians and sometimes they kept playing and sometimes they haven't. And then all of a sudden they pop up in, uh, in seniors. So for example, Andy Caps team was a, a good example for that this year. And, uh, uh, six team from, uh, uh Czech Republic mm. this year was the same. I think they played quite a bit on the European tour in, uh, past years. And then you just have people like me who've only started curling four or five years ago and um, they're just barely good enough to go there and they turn up there as well. So it's always a bit of a mix. But uh, yeah, to an extent, you you can say that you always get some fresh blood in, so to speak, of people that have just turned 50-51 and that, uh, yeah, still want to have some some competition and, um, and enter that realm, yeah. So how... So how did the competition go overall? So on the men's side, uh, Canada won. Is that correct? I'm trying to check my notes here. Yeah, indeed. And over over David Sick from the Czech Republic. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. And then Sweden won. And that actually had Mats Rana and Mikkel 
Hasselberg, who I assume are the parents of uh, some very famous Swedish curlers. Yeah, indeed they are. Yes, and they they um, we didn't see them at Stavanger the last time, but um, the previous couple of times they've been to the Worlds as well. So that's a very very solid team because. Uh, yeah, Mr. Hasselborg. I mean, he's had his share of medals in uh, in Euros and stuff uh, a couple of decades ago as well, right? So, yeah, yeah, that's always a very fun team to meet up with. So, indeed, they um they uh, they got the bronze this time, and they beat Andy Cap's team. So, yes, yeah. So a lot of uh, I mean, I, I guess you'd expect this, right? So several of those names are kind of known as established established kind of competitive curlers from 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, and the same with the uh, Norwegian team. I think you've got one or two ex-Olympians in there. So, uh, yeah, there's there's always a, a good mix of, you know, well-known names from the past and not so well-known names. So, yeah. Yeah. And then on the women's side, um, it was Christina Lestander's team from Switzerland was the gold medalist. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. And then somebody I actually know, I actually played with her a little bit at uh, St. Paul and played against her a lot was Margie Smith, who's a very good curler out of the U.S. With She's got an Olympian on her team and Swiss Helm. So. Yes, and I hadn't seen that team before. And um, yeah, I mean, how shall I put this? They were a little bit fortunate to, were, to win their semifinal, I would say. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, uh, yeah, still all good matches. And uh, yeah. yeah. Who do they beat in the semifinal? uh sweden if memory serves okay yeah and uh scotland with uh edith hazard was the skip of that rank so yep. yeah. yeah okay so um let's let's talk about the first interview so the first person you managed to track down and persuade to do an interview was uh lorna is it lorna de papa is that the lauren de papa yes he's a canadian who's lived in new zealand for a very long time and he's got belgian roots so um I got to know him quite a while ago because he he was one of the generous donators to the uh, the fundraising that we did when we we're trying to establish our our, our own club um, because obviously he's he still feels very connected to his Flemish roots and then I've seen him a couple of times at the worlds obviously so um, yeah he's he's a he's a good talker I think he's still or he used to or he still represents uh, New Zealand on the WCF. So, um, yeah, always fun to talk to Lauren and uh, has a wealth of information on New Zealand curling and curling in general, for sure. Okay, so let's listen to that interview now. This is um, Gary Hermans again, a roving reporter for Rocks Across the Pond, and I'm joined today with, uh, with Lauren Depau from uh, New Zealand. Welcome to the pod, Lauren. Good to be here, Jerry. Good to be here. So... Um, we always start with the same question. So what's, uh, where did you originally come from and what was it like to grow up there? Um, I'm originally Canadian, uh, although I've been living in New Zealand 30 years now. I, uh, I guess my first 37 years were, were in Canada. I grew up uh, south of Winnipeg and um, uh, curling is kind of a pretty popular in Canada. So I took it up as a, as a casual sport to, to uh, meet people uh, in a new community when I moved there for my job. And uh, lo and behold, when I moved to New Zealand, I continued to be involved in curling, and uh, it's taken me to some amazing places since then. Awesome. So um, I know your your regular skip hands uh, isn't with you this week. So um, uh, and we're now 
all the way through the championship. So what kind of, um, you know, what kind of goals did you set you guys uh, yourself for when you came here? And, you know, did you manage to achieve them or? <laughs> we, we always knew coming here without our regular skip that, that um, you know, it was going to be tough. Um, it's fair. To, and we've missed the playoffs. So, so we still have one more game today against Scotland, but, uh, but uh, regardless of that result, we've missed the playoffs. So the playoffs was our goal. Um, I've been to about six or seven world senior championships before, and we've always made the playoffs. So it's a little disappointing not making it this time, but um, hey, we're, we're enjoying the event at seniors level. Uh, the, the, the camaraderie is, is as important as the results on the ice. At least we think so. Yeah, that that kind of is a good segue into one of my uh, next questions because um, I mean the diehard curling fans will probably know that uh, you're not just a senior curler. I mean you uh, you've been to a, a, a whole slew of um, Pan uh, Pacific uh, Championships, I think, and uh, also the you're you're an Olympian, right? So um, so. What would you say is, is the main difference between, you know, that kind of more high level competition and, and the world seniors? Well, it, interesting you brought that up. I, yes, had the privilege of playing in, in four uh, world championships uh, between 1999 and uh, 2005. And, and it was that 2005 one that qualified us ultimately for the, for the Winter Olympics of 2006 in Torino, Italy. Um, that's the that's the ultimate achievement, I guess, in in my curling career. Uh, obviously, at at worlds and at Olympic level, everything is taken incredibly, incredibly seriously. Uh, there's a lot on the line, and and more so every every Olympic cycle that comes around. But um, we still like to um, have camaraderie as part of the sport, even at that level. But certainly, once you get to seniors level. Um, there's less on the line than there is if you're fighting for, for an Olympic spot or fighting for a medal at the Olympics. So um, here we are. As soon as I finish this podcast, I'm going upstairs to uh, share some refreshments with the team from Germany that just, uh, just uh, managed to uh, squeak past us in a, in a win here an hour ago. And it's the same guys, the same four guys that I actually played against, or four of the five guys that I played against in the Torino Olympics. So we're, we're uh, renewing acquaintances, and that's part of what happens at seniors level, is that you meet a lot of people that you've met previously in your, in your curling endeavors. Yeah. Unless, of course, if you're a newbie like me, but uh, yeah, I can see how that could be very enjoyable. Indeed. Well, and that's interesting because, because some of the countries, some of the, the, the more developing nations, if I can use that term, uh, their seniors haven't had 20 or 30 or 40 years of curling uh, behind them. As some of us have, um, but 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 there's still a, a great camaraderie um, at seniors level. It's always uh, a bit of socializing anyway after the game. Yeah, I would definitely agree. I mean, uh, from whenever I started doing this in 2017, it just struck me. I mean, the, the friendship you strike up with guys from all over the world and it sticks, right? So that's really enjoyable. I think that's a, that's a, a real feature of seniors, and and I certainly hope that it continues for you know for years to come i mean i think my seniors career may be coming to a close soon i am now 67 years old but um uh i've loved every minute of it 
Okay, so as a final question, um, let's take a step away from the seniors. And I know you're trying to get a, a dedicated facility uh, in, in New Zealand up and running in your neck of the woods. So um, tell us a little bit about that and how it's going. Sure. Um, in New Zealand, we only have three dedicated curling rinks, two four sheets, one two sheet that just opened a year ago. But up north where I live in, in the city of, near the city of Auckland, uh, for us, it's a two-hour flight to the South Island to get to where the dedicated curling rinks are. So we've been curling up north in Auckland. We've been curling on a skating rink for 26 years. I was involved in creating the Auckland Curling Club back then. And we're, we're hopeful that we will, in New Zealand's largest city, be able to uh, get a four-sheet uh, dedicated curling rink built in, in the next few years. And, and we know that with the population base there, a, a third of our country's population that the, the uh, sport will, will explode. We've already got the largest and most active curling club, membership club in New Zealand. It'll just take off if we can curl seven days a week on good curling ice. Yeah, you know what they say, you build it and they will come, right? That's our motto and we certainly hope to achieve that. Okay. Well, thanks very much, um, Lorne. I'll let you go up to your well-earned uh, adult <laughs> beverage and uh, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> Bye. Um, okay, so that was Lona DePap from New Zealand. And then the second guest you managed to track down is, uh, he's fairly famous in coaching circles. His name is Bill Sherhart. Do you mind just telling us a little bit about him? Yes. So when, uh, when COVID hit, we were looking with our team to do some activities to, you know, still keep our, you know, heads in the, in, in curling mode. And I was on, um, a forum uh, curling coaches forum where Bill said, well, you, know, you need some help, reach out to me. And that's the kind of invitation I barely you know, <laughs> skip over. So I reached out to him and um, Bill was gracious enough to do a number of Zoom sessions with us on, on team dynamics and, um, you know, defining what's your, <clears throat> what kind of um, team you are, you know, offensive, defenses, that kind of stuff. And, and that's how we established a connection, basically. And then obviously um, didn't work with him that intensively, but touched base from time to time. And um, so obviously I, I connected with him prior to the seniors and uh, we started chatting and, <clears throat> and um, yeah, had many more very enjoyable and informative uh, conversations throughout um, that week, week and a half uh, in Geneva. And of course, he's, um, yeah, he's got his own podcast now. So it was maybe a little bit funny for him to be on the other side of the microphone. But yes, I mean, if you know Bill, you know, he's always, you know, gracious with his time. And uh, he's always very self-effacing. But, you know, then he knows more about curling than, or he's forgotten more about curling than most people know, right? I think that's yeah. Yeah, no. So his po so his podcast is called "A Pain in the Glass," and uh, for those the who title of his sorry, which the, is also the title of his coaching manual, right? Yeah. So he's also got a coaching manual called "A Pain in the Glass" too. Which, if you're into any kind of competitive curling, I recommend you go get because it's it's just it's basically a compilation of all the articles he's written over his years of curling. So it's as he said, he's kind of forgotten more than. <laughs> basically just about anybody else remembers about curling. So um, very good resources. And I didn't know that he had a podcast until, until you did this interview. So I, and then I've been listening to it since, uh, since you kind of put me onto it. So I'd kind of recommend anyone who doesn't know about that, go, 
go check it out and subscribe to it. He's got, they're basically he's doing an episode a week and a lot of really good kind of resources there and a lot of interesting interviews on, on kind of the competitive side of curling. Um, and he's got a bunch of them pre-recorded. So he says he's going to keep pumping them out over the summer. So for everybody who's starved of any kind of curling podcast, because most of the ones die down a little bit over the summer, I mean, go to Bill. So he'll still give you some content on a weekly basis. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's uh, give a listen to your interview with Bill now. Hello again, folks. This is Gary Hermans for uh, Rocks Across the Pond, stepping in for uh, Ryan and Jonathan. And I'm here today with uh, Bill Cheerhart, national team coach for Team Canada. Bill, how are you? And welcome to the pod. Well, I feel better now after that win versus Sweden. Let's put it that way. Okay. Um, before we get into what's been happening at the Worlds here, um, let's do the usual uh, Rocks Across the Pond intro. So where are you originally from and what was it like to grow up there? Well, I'm originally from Southern Ontario, Kitchener-Waterloo, which has a very definite Germanic uh, uh, history. So I know, I know lots of German phrases, just enough to get me into trouble. But growing up in Southern Ontario, uh, it's sort of euphemistically, the rest of Canada refers to us as the center of the universe. Anytime you're near Toronto, you're the center of the universe. But I'm a lifelong uh, educator. Um, taught at the junior high school level most of my career. And uh, after I uh, retired from, from teaching, and I never really felt I retired from teaching, I went straight to Calgary and uh, looked after the activities of the National Training Center for Curling Canada, then the Canadian Curling Association, and have done uh, uh, tasks for Curling Canada ever, ever since, a, a variety of things. So. Southern Ontario was home. Okay, cool. So let's talk a little bit about this week. I mean, um, obviously you're not playing. So what is your, let's say, your overall role as, as Team Canada coach here? Well, in, in Canada, we have a, a system, if you want to call it that. Any of our national teams that play internationally, Curling Canada supplies what is referred to as a team leader. Uh, and it's somebody to go with the team in a support role to represent Curling Canada. Um, with the seniors, it's a little bit different because uh, I, I play the coach role as well. I get to impersonate a coach. <laughs> um, because the seniors, in most respects and most times, have never had a coach. So when they come to represent Canada internationally, uh, they get they get team leader and coach so, so that's what I do at a, an event like this and all our national teams right now the mixed doubles it's Scott Pfeiffer and uh, and Lisa Weagle yeah. so there's always a team leader for Canadian teams that play internationally okay I I guess this may be a little bit specific to Canada but the obviously the national teams they they change year over year I mean at the seniors Brian Cochran was here a couple of times but now you've got Wade White coming in so you know, what kind of difficulties does that present for a coach? Because essentially you get assigned a team that you definitely haven't been coaching for years. So, so what's that like? Well, in, in the case of what well, you mentioned, Brian Cochran and Wade White, well, it, they played one another in the Canadian final. Yeah. So whichever team won, well, I was with them before. So I, I knew that I was uh, going to have a relationship with whoever won. But you're quite right. And in the case of Sherry Anderson, uh, they're going for, for three wins in a row in, uh, at this event. So 
in a way, for the past number of years, uh, the teams have all been well known to me. Now, on occasion, depending if the Canadian Senior Championship is within reasonable distance, sometimes I go to that event just to watch everybody play because I know two of the teams I'm going to bring to the to the Worlds. That doesn't happen every year, so I'm not a total stranger to them, <laughs> and it's gets to the point where it's some of the usual suspects. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, I mean, obviously Canada's always performed strong at the, at the World Senior, so what kind of goals did you come out here and, and how is it shaping up uh, up to now because we're roughly halfway through the, through the event? Yeah, it's, you know, there's a difference between achievement goals and performance goals and uh, certainly if, for Sherry's part, it's awfully difficult not to think about being the first team to win it three, three times in a row. So that's certainly an achievement goal. The guys, it's kind of hard to say, they're so laid back. Now, they're, they're former world senior champions as well, so I'd be lying if I said Canada doesn't care if they win the gold medal or not. And it's not about, we, we always try to be on the podium if we can. That's our achievement goal. But as team leader and coach, I try to keep their heads more into the performance goals you look after the performance goals, chances are the achievement goals will follow. Okay, so that's as far as goals go. So how's the week been shaping up until now then? Well, are you it, kind of in line with your expectations? Uh, well, for the, for the guys, uh, you have to know that that team, they have so much experience. And coming from Western Canada and Edmonton in specifics, they've knocked heads with the best of the curling teams that Canada has to offer. And they're, they're just easy riders, if I can call it that. Like, just wind them up and let them play. <laughs> um, the Team Anderson is a, a little different situation. Uh, in Just as I said, they've got a chance to win three in a row. And really, um, we didn't start out very well against Scotland, that's for sure. <laughs> we, we didn't play very well at all. Uh, the ice was a, was a challenge, but I mentioned to the team that Last time I checked, Scotland played on the same sheet of ice that we did, <laughs> so they seem to handle it better. We've gotten better every game, and that's very typical of Sherry Henderson's team. Never count them out. They they just they just come you know, the phoenix right from the ashes. When you think that they're down and out, that would be your first mistake. There you go, um, and and. To, to round it off a little bit more on a personal level, you, you recently started your own podcast, which I think fills a nice niche. So um, what made you start that up? And, and um, do you have kind of like a, a red thread going through it as far as uh, topics goes or you know, is it whatever? Well, thank you for asking. Um, the genesis was uh, the fact that uh, my coaching manual, I'm very proud of the coaching manual, not because of what I've uh, contributed to it because there were other authors that, that wrote articles. All of the <clears throat> all of the proceeds go to the Sandra Schmerber Foundation and uh, to date it's earned almost $20,000 for the foundation. That's what I care about. And it's all it was written for coaches and curlers. It was meant to be because it's, you know, a pain in the glass, a coach's companion. It's meant for a coach to be able to tuck under his arms and uh, make notes and there's templates and all sorts of aspects of it. So how, what does that have to do with a podcast? Well, from time to time, people would ask me if I would think of uh, an e-book version, an electronic version of the, uh, 
the coaching manual. And I've always resisted that for a variety of reasons. The most important one is the manual just wasn't set up for it. Well, I happened uh, to do a high performance camp for juniors uh, in October in Fredericton for Wayne Talon. And he does a podcast that he calls Inside, or Inside the Ice Shed, as I, I believe, and it's strictly for interviews. And since I was there, he interviewed me and he plunked down his iPad and his microphone and I said to him, that's it? That's all it takes? <laughs> so then the wheels started to turn. Maybe a podcast version where I could deal with articles from both my coaching manual and my uh, blog site. And be it complimentary. Yeah, and uh, kind of uh, from episode to episode, uh, deal with one of the articles, but in an updated fashion. That was kind of the original goal. But then I started to think about all of the people that I know who are truly experts in their field. Uh, for example, Dr. Glenn Pauley. Uh, he did an interview with me on the science of brushing. Uh, Pat uh, B. Reed, who did an outstanding one, uh, it's called uh, Dealing with Two Imposters, and that's all about wins and losses. Dr. John Dunn, who is the mental performance consultant to the Kevin Cooley team. And the list of these people kind of goes on and on. So my interviews for my episodes are not the usual type of interview. I want the person that has been kind enough to join with me to talk about their area of expertise and then I'll ask questions based on what they say. I don't have a list of questions. I have one to kind of get it started. And I say to my guests, I want uh, an instructor or a coach who happens to be listening to take something from what you say. That's your goal. It's my goal. And so far, it's worked out very, very well. Uh, one particular uh, episode was with a, a junior Emily Riley, who just graduated into women's play, and uh, she came, I'm very close to that team. She plays for the uh, Laurie Saint-Georges team with their crazy coach, Mitch. <laughs> and uh, long story short, she did an excellent one on uh, uh, the mental challenges that athletes have. Uh, and she kind of, we called it Emily, Emily Riley, or Emily has something to tell you. Well, it's been downloaded almost 200 times. And it's all about uh, a young athlete who dealt with um, anxiety, performance anxiety, as she calls it. And she did an outstanding interview with me. Uh, it's it just the, the people that I've been able to connect with uh, have just done a wonderful. I'm very excited about, I love doing the podcast. It's great. It took me about a month to learn how to do the editing and everything that goes with it, with the software. But uh, I really wanted to get out there to curlers, instructors, coaches and specifics, and anybody else, anybody else who cares about curling. Well, Bill, um, yeah, and no, I think you definitely achieved that. So um, anytime, you know, it's always a pleasure talking to you. I don't want to take up more of your time, but, um, you know, best of luck with the teams. And uh, thanks again for coming on. I will not miss a shot. <laughs> Thank you, Bill. Okay, so we're back. Uh, one thing that came up in Lorna's interview, he mentioned that one of the things he likes is the camaraderie at the World Seniors. So 
a lot of the other kind of top international events now do not have the kind of socializing after the game that you used to have back in the back in the old days. But it sounds like from Lorna that it's that it's still a little bit more traditional in that sense. How did you find it? Yeah, if it, and if I can go back to the the very first one I attended in Lethbridge, I mean, I I'd barely been fifty hours on the ice, so I was, I mean, completely. You know, all over the place and, and maybe didn't actually experience it to the full. But what I did feel from the very first minute is that, you know, the, the connections you make and the camaraderie amongst the curlers is really something exceptional. Um, you know, some people often remark that the top players are so approachable. Um, obviously, the, the seniors are not, um, you know, people that you see on TV uh, every single day anymore. But I mean, the connections you make from with people from all over the globe and the friendship that you experience there is really, you know, really something special. And I've only learned to appreciate that, you know, even more as I've been to a WCC a couple of times. And it's um, so no mistaken. I mean, some of these people are still very fierce competitors, right? And there's there's some pretty decent curling being played. It's definitely a notch above, above uh, what most people would term club level. But again, at the same time, there's these friendly connections and, um, you know, half of the people know each other, sometimes from one or two years previous and sometimes from decades ago. And it's, it's always a super nice gathering. And, and you felt that, especially this time in Geneva, because first of all, you know, most of the COVID rules, you know, we could drop them. So there was uh, ability to socialize afterwards. But you, you almost had a palpable sense that people were like, okay, well, we haven't seen each other in two years and now we're finally back together again. And that kind of just enhanced that, that friendship feeling that, uh, that's always been there before as well. Yeah, that's, so that's really good. So who, I mean, I, I want to say, are there team, are there specific teams that you've kind of built up good connections with over the years or? Yeah, I mean, the Swedes are always fun to hang out with. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, Rana and Hasselborg's team and then uh, obviously, um, Lauren de Papa's crew from New Zealand. Unfortunately, the, the skip um, uh, wasn't there this time, the regular skip. Uh, Hans Frauenlope, who you might know. Um, but yeah, those are two of the ones that stand out uh, for sure. Uh, the Irish guys are fun, even though we haven't played with them, uh, haven't played against them. But generally, I mean, you know what people say, right? I mean, you you play curling and you have friends for life. So even if there's teams that you haven't played against, you know, you, you meet them up and you you strike up a conversation and you you know you you can be friendly with every single person in that. I mean, for example, Canada. I mean, I'd never met Sherry Anderson, but you know, you you get her in passing and you instantly have a, a nice conversation. So uh, yeah, it's always always great fun seeing those people again. And so was there much, was there much interaction with the women's side and with the mixed doubles teams also, or are they just separate draw times? You don't see them as much. Um, they are mostly separate draw times, but then, you know, they tend to touch either at the beginning or the end, you know, with warm up times and, you know, them lingering a little bit with the, uh, with the room stacking. So um, no, there's, there's definitely, Sometimes you have to make a little bit of an effort to reach out to them, but there's definitely loads of opportunity to do so if you want to. 
Okay. So thanks so much for joining us today. And uh, I'm sure we'll be in touch again soon. I, I, just before we go, is there any any kind of events planned at Curling Zemps for next season that you might want to uh, let our listeners know about? Um, well, I was um, a very happy tournament director. We just had our end of closing tournament uh, just over a week ago, uh, the Golden Curl is classic. We had um, yeah, more than half of our teams were foreign teams. So that's always nice to see people coming from abroad. And uh, I think the, um, and, and having a good time. The, the next big one, though, that'll only be in uh, January and February when we're going to be putting on some uh, w, um, WCT tournaments. The one for men's is in end of January. And the ladies' ones is uh, beginning of February. And we're hoping that this time we, we have to postpone them twice due to COVID. So that'll be our first time uh, doing World Curling Tour events. So um, we're really looking forward to those. Okay, great. So, and they could find that on your Curling Rings webpage when the, the event, are the events event announcements up already or? It's already, I mean, we still have to put it up on our own page, but if you look at the, uh, the World Curling Tour, uh, the dates are already on there. Okay, great. Well, thanks. So thanks so much for joining us today. And if anyone wants to go to Belgium to play in a WCT event in January next or February next year, check that out. And I'm sure your, your more social bond spiel in May will be back again next year as well, right? Yes, and there's one from another club being hosted as a traditional New Year's event, uh, first week of January as well. So we've got loads coming on, but um, you know, if you if you can't make those dates, reach out to us just and come out for you know just a little bit of fun curling. We have our club nights on Mondays and Wednesday nights, and uh, we can always accommodate people. So yeah. okay, super. Well, thanks so much. Welcome. Thank you for having us. Thank you for listening to Rocks Across the Pond, a curling podcast. You can find all of our previous episodes and blog posts at rocksacrossthepond.com. Please remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, or your favorite podcast app and leave a review. If you enjoyed listening, the greatest compliment we can receive is when you tell a friend about us. That helps us grow and helps us share our love of this great game. If you have a comment or question, or you just want to talk about curling, you can email us at rocksacrossthepond at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at Curling Podcast. We are also on Facebook and Instagram at Rocks Across the Pond. Thank you again, and we will talk to you real soon.